Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Well, a local priest was being honored at his retirement dinner after 25 years in a particular parish. And so a leading local politician was there, and a member of the congregation was chosen to make the presentation and give a little speech at the dinner. However, he was delayed in getting there, so the priest decided to say a few words while they waited. And and so he started, you know, I got my first impression from the parish, from the first confession I heard here. I thought I had been assigned to a terrible place. The very person who entered my confessional told me that he had stolen a TV set and when questioned by the police was able to lie his way out of it. He also had stolen money from his parents, embezzled from his employer, had an affair with his best friend's wife and taken illicit drugs. I was appalled. Uh, But as the days went on, I I learned that my people were not all like that and I had indeed come to find a, a fine parish full of good and loving people. Well, just as the priest finished his talk, the politician politician arrived full of apologies for being late, and he immediately began to make his presentation, and he said, I'll never forget the first day our parish priest arrived. In fact, I had the honor of being the very first person to go to him for confession. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, sometimes we, uh, we have impressions of ourselves and think of who we are and what we've done, and Do not know maybe what it is that is known of us. But it begs the question for all of us, what if what was in my past became known? And what what if what is in my presence became known? Who are we? As we gather here, as we come here, what is this all about? What are we doing here? Well, certainly we would say we, we, we've come to worship here, and, and I, we come on Sunday mornings or Saturday nights, and, and, and we worship. And Well, what does it mean to worship? Is it confined to this one hour a week that we do, or is there maybe more to it than that? Is, is there this sense, and you can certainly see where this is going, that our lives on the rest of the week and somehow need to match the things that we do and we say as we come and give praise to God with our mouths and with our voices on a Sunday or a Saturday. What does it mean to worship in this world? Over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at psalms. And several of the psalms we're going to be covering as we go through this. And, and the psalms are, are this, this beautiful set of poems and songs that have people of God saying to God, crying out to God, calling out to Him. But what do they say for us? We're going to be taking a look at these over these next several weeks. And we're going to start off with Psalm chapter 1, uh, the, the first psalm. And, and, uh, but before we get there, what is a psalm anyways? I mean, you've heard and seen the word much of your life, many of you. What does it mean? Well, the, the word technically it comes from a Greek word, which means uh, music that's sung with a harp. 
Okay, that seems a little restrictive. Uh, I don't know if you have a harp at home, if you have to read with a harp playing every time you open the Psalms. Uh, uh, the, the, the Greek word is, comes from a translation into the Greek from a Hebrew word, which is a little bit more generic. Many of the words that describe these, this collection of songs or poems um, uses this particular word, a Hebrew word, which means songs that are performed with a musical accompaniment. So, so, so kind of in a more generic way, the, well, these are songs, and, and songs oftentimes are poems, and, and they're used to describe things with, sometimes with passion and sometimes in, with all kinds of word pictures that are used there. One of the, one of the things you're going to see lots in the Psalms is, is this device called parallelism, where you say something in one way, and then you say just about the same thing in an entirely different way but using maybe a, a different word picture that helps you to see that. And, and so you may have a, a litany of three things that come together one after another. And, and it, again, it's just trying to highlight and give you a picture of what's going on in the particular psalmist's heart and, and mind as they, as they consider their life and they consider their connection with God. Well, the psalms, they begin with, this first psalm, and, and as they were compiled, uh, this particular psalm really serves as an introduction to what it means to be people who engage with the psalms, who look at them and, and try and understand and apply and, and meditate the, on them in their lives. And it begins with this idea of, of being blessed. Jesus, when he begins his Sermon on the Mount, uh, he, he begins with this idea as well. Blessed are the peacemakers. And this idea of being blessed uh, conveys the idea of happiness or well-being. So, so what does it mean? And how does one live like that? And these are themes that Psalm 1 addresses. So if you have your Bibles, if you'd open up, or it'll be on the screen behind you there. This is Psalm chapter 1, and this is a New International Version. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked... They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So again, as we approach the Psalms, we are, we are approaching all kinds of ways of looking at God. This, this particular psalm is, is a psalm that they will call a Torah psalm. Uh, Torah is the Hebrew word, means the law. And, and in it, there is this portion of how the person who is blessed, what is their approach to God's law? He delights in it. What does that mean? Well, as part of what he describes in here. Uh, but in the rest of the Psalms, we see there, uh, Walter Brueggemann, he's got a, a, just a wonderful way of, of kind of describing them in, in, in s- some generic kind of overview and that they're psalms of orientation and they're psalms of disorientation. And then finally, there's psalms of new orientation. 
So orientation, what's your orientation? The first off is, is, is towards God. Obviously, these are, these are connected to Yahweh, the, the, the God of the Israelites, and who he is and what he's done. And, and it begins with orienting yourselves with, with who God is and how to be connected with him. And, and Psalm 1 certainly fits within that mode. What is this life about? Well, it's got an orientation towards God we'll come across many that are disorientation. We would call them laments. When things are struggling and they're difficult, when, well, when life is messy, what do we do and how do we express ourselves? Well, one of the disturbing sometimes, but, but beautiful aspects of the Psalms is that we have a lot of raw emotion that's expressed in these. And which on some level gives us some permission of, of, of interacting with God and the things that we're going through, but also somehow piecing it together within who God is. But, but those are the psalms of disorientation. But finally, the, they have the psalms of new orientation. After you've gone through this time of bis, being disoriented, the, the things of life having uh, weighed upon you and, and the difficulties you've endured, when you turn yourself back towards God himself and who he is, that a new orientation to him and, and connection with him. So in Psalm 1, it starts off. And right away, we have this word, blessed is the man. And uh, man here is, uh, is a generic use of the word. It, it would include men and women. You could use the word person or one who, this is, He's going to give us some description. And so we have, first off, we have, well, the negative side of it. So blessed is the man who does not do these things. And there's three descriptions of the, the, the thing that the person who is blessed will not do. That will be, he does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, does not stand in the sway of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. And you can see kind of a, a progression or, or degression, I suppose, in movement there. It starts off in walking, in walking with those who are wicked. Uh, wicked is another word for those who are found guilty of doing something. If they, if they were to go in front of a court of law, they would be found guilty for having done something wrong that, that is against what society, what the law says they should do. And, and so, so blessed is the one who does not walk in the way of those who do wicked things. But then it it slows down the pace a little bit to standing in with the way of sinners. Uh, sinners would be not someone who has stumbled once along the way, but, but someone who has made a habit of this. And, and this is something that characterizes their life. The, uh, Jesus was often accused of hanging around uh, drunks and sinners and, and tax collectors. People, this is what characterized their life. When you saw what they did, when you, underst- when you heard about the things and the deeds that were done in their lives, those are sinners. That's what they do. And, and blessed is the one who does not walk in or stand in, in their way, in, in their place. And then finally, this, this idea, we, we go from walking to, to standing, which is a little more solid, to, to sitting and you are all sitting there. You nestled in for the duration of the, the sermon here. And it's a difference altogether than standing. It is, it is finding yourselves comfortable there. And, and 
and in the seat of mockers. And maybe at the outset you look at mockers and say, well, that doesn't seem like maybe the worst part of it. But, but there's something about mockery that is pretty strident. That, that when you, when all of us make mistakes, right? All of us sin, all of us have struggles and stumble along the way. And uh, uh, that certainly would be the first part of that. And then those who do this habitually. But, but when you get to a place of, of mockery, uh, mockery of God or mockery of those who follow God, you, you, are, you are not only saying, I do bad things and I like it, but those who do good things, the God that you say that you follow, that's idiotic and ridiculous. It is a step further and deeper into rebellion against God. And the overarching theme here for, for the psalmist is he said this, this is not how you live a blessed life. You, you don't hang around in these situations. What characterizes your life is not doing these things and being part of those who stand off at the side and say, that's idiotic and dumb. It's not to say that you don't interact with them. Well, we would have to leave this world, wouldn't we? And part of what we're called to is to interact with this world and tell people about the hope that we have but what characterizes our lives and, and what's influencing us? Well, it is certainly not these three. We do not walk or stand or sit in the presence of the wicked, the sinners, and the mockers. Well, he doesn't leave it there and say, this, just don't do this. Sometimes we, we get in our minds, you just tell someone, don't do this. And that'll solve everything. But we need something positive to do. And uh, the, other, uh, the other side of that then is his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. We, we covered a little bit of that in the, in the, the kids' message. It's uh, C.S. Lewis in his book, Reflections on the Psalms, he comes to this verse and he's like, okay, that's weird. Who delights in the law? I mean, that, that just your first approach to that is like, laws are not fun. They're not something to delight in. But again, as we said with the kids, that as we look at the law of the Lord, and, and again, it's the word used here is Torah, and, and sometimes that we use the word Torah to talk about the, the first five books of the Bible, the, uh, the, book of Moses, the books of Moses, the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, the 613 laws that come to the Israelites are contained within that grouping of books, and so sometimes it's described that. But here the use is, is a little bit broader than that or more generic than that. When it refers to the law of the Lord, it's, it's the guidelines or the instructions that God has for us about what it means to live for him, to know who he is and what's important to him. And again, when we look at any particular laws and we say, okay, what's, what's the point of that? We, we come to some sense of why it might be there. Uh, the law says, do not murder. It's like, well, you know, I think it'd probably be better if you guys didn't kill each other. <laughs> uh, that's, your society might work a little bit better that way. And each of the laws that come, God is saying, because of who you are, because I created you and I know the best ways to live this out, I want you to, to live with one another with these perspectives. 
Josh McDonald, when he talks about commandments, uh, he, he uses the letter P as kind of a guideline to talk all through that. And, and, and it uses the word precept instead of law because it matches with other things and makes it memorable. So precepts, principles, and person. That, that every precept that God gives us is somehow based upon a principle. That God says, this is an important thing that I want you to know. And so because of that principle, I've given you this particular precept. And, and yet every principle that is there as well is there because of the person of God. That some part of God's character and who he is helps give us a reason why that principle is important and why, therefore, the precept comes. And so, in, in looking at God's word, his instructions, his directions, and his interactions with people as we see that through the text of Scripture, we're seeing pictures of his heart, of what's important to him. And so, when the psalmist says, blessed is the person who delights in this law of God, it's this person who's connecting to God and getting to know him and interacting with him and, and, and coming and trying to understand and, 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 and meditates on this day and night. This idea of meditation uh, is, is, uh, is, is kind of a, a working it through and, and thinking it over. Almost a, a murmuring to yourself sometimes is, is at least a bit of the picture here. I don't, I don't know what you do when you meditate on Scripture or if you're meditating on the Word or speaking with God, but, but, but the picture here is, is of, of, of going over it again and again and, and interacting with it in your own life. Uh, uh, the 10th of the commandments would be to not cover, to not covet, to not covet your, your neighbor's wife or his donkey or his house or, or anything. And, and so what does it mean to not covet in my life, to desire someone else's stuff and are there ways that I'm doing that? And, and almost in a conversation with the Lord, saying, Lord, are there areas in my life that I'm, I'm doing this? And, and to spend time thinking about it. Because it's one thing to read the Scriptures and to read the Word, but something entirely different to, to actually interact with and ask, what difference does it make in my life? How do I live this out? Our politician in the opening story fully part of the congregation and going through the practices of, of even the, the life of the church. But uh, clear in his confession that there are things that were not right in what he was doing and almost bragging, not turning himself in when he was, when he was accused of wrong. What does our faith say we believe and hang on to and and what do our actions actually say about that? In a previous series in Hebrews, uh, faith is, is defined in Hebrews 11 as, as the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. And, and, and one of my reflections on that has been that, that faith is visible through our lives because something that we're hoping for, well, that's nothing we can see. We don't, we don't have that yet, do we? And something that's unseen, how can we have evidence that's unseen? The whole point of evidence in the case is, here's my proof. But if it's unseen because it's faith, what, is, what does it look like? And, and the, the, what it looks like is your life. How do you live your life? If your life is based on faith, 
then the actions, choices, decisions you make are fundamentally changed and directed by what you claim you have faith in. It is visible to others. It is an evidence or a substance that people can see. Yes, there's something about that person that directs and guides them. And so it is as we approach the Lord and we approach his word and, and come to him in living as people who know him and walk with him. And so these two paths come forward and there's a path to avoid and a, and a path to pursue. The blessed path. And so he delights in the Lord's word. And he uses a word picture. It's good to have an illustration, isn't it? He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prosper. And what a great picture that is. Uh, we, can, we see all kinds of trees here, and, and we don't live in a desert climate. And in desert climates, you don't see a lot of really tall trees. Uh, my mom lives down in, De- in Phoenix, and, and uh, there are not a lot of tall trees unless there's a good water source. But uh, if, you, if you go by a river that has good water, then you see some, you see some taller trees. You see some cottonwoods, which grow up big and tall, and they use a lot of water. They need a lot of water. This is the word picture he uses here, a tree planted by the river. And so it grows. It has the nutrients and the moisture that it needs, and so it can produce fruit in its season because it has what it needs. And this is our life connected to God and his word, of, of being vigilant to stay connected to it and to him. This is how we live this blessed lives, connected and not disconnected. Not so the wicked. Uh, the wicked, in contrast, are like chaff that the wind blows away. When, when I, I visited the Philippines uh, back in my college days, uh, one of the things that the farmers did there is they, they would dry their grain on the roads. They put them on these tarps and and then they would grind them and, and pick them up with a, this little trowel kind of thing and then pour it down again after they've, they've crushed it down to remove the chaff. And so as the slightest wind blows, the chaff goes away and the seed drops to the ground again. And the chaff, that's the wicked because they don't have this grounding. It may look like they're they're full and hearty. You look at the grain and it's covered by the, the shell there. It's like, that's something hearty and stable. But once it's crushed, it dissipates and gone. And these are those who, again, are, are the wicked and the sinners. They will not be able to stand in the judgment, nor will the sinners be able to sit in the assembly of the righteous. And at the end, it's because the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. On these paths, there's one these paths that God is watching over, and that's the path of the righteous. Jesus brings up this concept as well in that Sermon on the Mount as, as he talks about the different ways, that, that there's two ways of living and walking and, and, and moving through life and and there's a way that honors the Lord, and there's a way that's not. And, and 
in his description, he indicates enter the, through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So what are these ways? One of Jesus' disciples, Thomas, asked him at some point, Jesus, you tell us where you know, you're going to go there, but how c- we don't even know the way. And Jesus' response in John 14, 6 is, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. And so this picture of Jesus, well, being this blessed man, uh, of being one who does this right and who lives this out, is one for us to count on and to guide. We have an idealized picture here. How do we do this? By staying connected to God. By having our eyes focused on Him and His world. And there's a question for each of us to ask. In these two portraits of life, the not blessed and the blessed, which are we? Whose side are you on? Uh, Not just in the things that you say, but in actually how you live this out. What are you basing your hope and your faith and your confidence on? Because the call is for us to base it on God. And what the Psalms are leading us towards is to bringing and orienting our lives to God himself. And again, we will see all kinds of ways that life will disorient us, that that things will be difficult, they will be hard, they'll be messy. Do you know a thing about messiness in your life? We've seen it in our own lives. I've seen it in my life. This is something all of us endure at some point, and, and yet staying focused concentrating on what God is doing, on the path that he's guiding us on, on delighting in who he is and how we live this, and ultimately finding our source in not what we can do, but what it is that God has done for us, that our hope is in God and not our own strength. That's our way, the way of Jesus. I want to challenge you uh, over this next month, uh, and by this next month, I mean through the month of May. Uh, we'll be covering Psalms as we go through here, and, and I want you to read all of Psalms in that time frame. Uh, so, uh, including these last couple days in April and the 31 days in May, you got about 33, 34 days. Saturday night, they got an extra day on you, sorry, but uh, that's what you get for uh, coming second. Uh, but so if you split it up into 30 days, that's five psalms a day. You have a couple days off if you need, and, and you can take a whole day on Psalm 119 because it's really long. But, but to read all of them and to consider, God, what are you saying in each of these? Because there's some psalms we go to which we just love to go to. You know, oh, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want, and But what about Psalm 27? I don't know what that says. (laughs) Read it. And through your reading and your meditating and your conversation with God, God, what are you saying to me? 
Because there's things that we will come across that are troubling. It's like, why is David so vengeful? And how is that okay on some level? And we'll see glorious heights of praise to God. Laments of those who are going through hardship. And then pictures that the New Testament picks up as things that are pointing to our Christ and our Lord. All of these we will be seeing in this. And yet all of them on some level are important for us to engage with in our own lives, in our own hearts. So, so read it, but don't read it as like, yep, I got those five done today, boom. Not as a checklist, but meditating on it, interacting with God, saying, God, speak to me in here. Is there something you want me to see out of this? And allow that to change and transform your life. Well, let's stand for closing prayer. Father, this morning, this day, we, th- we thank you that you've chosen to communicate to us. You've cho- chosen to reveal yourself to us. And you've chosen, you've chosen people to, to be the, the sources for that as you've inspired them and spoken to them. And as we engage with your word, as we consider who you are and how you have interacted with others, how we've known and come to know you. May your spirit guide and direct us. May we, may we live a life. May we, may we look at the elements of our lives, the path that we're on, and can consider the things that are influencing us and whether they are things that would also delight in you and in your word or if they're things that are distracting us Father, we, we come before you needing your guidance and your help and thankful that you've pointed the way. We give this day to you. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service. Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.